The Beers and Ears podcast is sponsored by Riss and Cal. This holiday season in your search for stocking stuffers, you don't have to be like the Mad Titan, scouring the universe to collect all six stones. Instead, find all the tech accessories you need for your friends and family in one place. Whether it's wireless neck fans for those warm days at the studios, or a waterproof case for when you're searching for that wandering rabbit, they've got an entire assortment. When you go to fourfrills.com shop, that's the number four, P-H-R-I-L-L-S dot com slash shop. Select your items and then use coupon code BEERS, B-E-E-R-S at checkout. You'll get 15% off your purchase. Don't forget that proceeds of the purchase go to help nonprofits and a portion of the proceeds help to support the Beers and Ears podcast as well. So head on over to fourfrills.com and use that promo code today to get a jump start on your holiday shopping. Let's start the show. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. There was an idea to bring together 23 episodes of a podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe so that when we needed it, we were ready for the premiere of Black Widow. This is That Podcast. And now for your hosts of the Beers and Ears Podcast, here's Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Hello, everyone, and welcome to day number 11 of the Infinity Saga series. Matt, I don't know, man. We are halfway through, and whoa, I don't know. I am totally pumped. How about you, buddy? I The more this goes on, the more pumped I am for every movie that we are, that we're doing. Really, I, I think, maybe hot take here, I think we're beyond the movies that I'm like, yawn i don't really want to see this movie yeah i would agree with you i don't think there's much left in terms of that there's a couple that maybe maybe there but right now i'm good and guardians is one of those feel-good movies that you know really leaves you on the edge of your seat so welcome to the beers and ears podcast everybody welcome to the infinity saga series my name's casey and my name's matt we got as we said guardians of the galaxy for you today yeah, so um, really exciting. Matt, I know first things first, you said that you had uh, kind of an exciting story about the very first time that you saw this movie. So this came out in August of 2014. And up until this moment, I had seen every single Marvel movie opening weekend. Well, it just so happened that when this movie came out, I was on a, I was a youth pastor and I was on a mission trip in Kentucky. And so I was like, ah, you know, I'm doing this. I can't, um, I can't go see this movie. Well, we, we had a house that we were staying at and a lot of times in the evenings we didn't have anything to do. So we, you know, we would cook dinner and then hang out just, you know, play games, have fun. So we're, we were at two different sites. My group had gotten back and we were sitting at the house and getting dinner ready. And the, the group, the second group comes in and they knew that I liked these Marvel movies and that Guardians of the Galaxy was coming out. And they said, Matt, we drove past a drive-in. They're showing Guardians of the Galaxy tonight. Can we go? <laughs> like, well, sure, why not? So, so of course, you're talking middle of nowheresville, Kentucky. Nowhere. Ah, in- nowhere. <laughs> ah, zing. Uh, we pull up in two 15-passenger vans, and I say, 17 tickets, please. <laughs> and oh. the, high kid, the high school kid says, 
whoa. <laughs> and uh, we, we got a lot of attention because it was, we were half the people there. <laughs> that is hilarious. I think it's hilarious that you took a, uh, a youth group for church to this movie. This movie is exactly what I would consider uh, 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 youth friendly, but I guess I guess or it was a PG thirteen, right? This is a PG thirteen one. It was, it was, I mean, definitely, it was a high school group, and it was, P- yeah, so it was PG thirteen. There were definitely a couple moments that I was like, "Ooh, well, oh, you know. yeah. <laughs> like the moment but, where he, you know, raises up his finger when he's in the the photo there." <laughs> yeah, you know, um. it's definitely. <laughs> and, it's, it's definitely an edgier movie um, different than what we've seen. I think that's partly because of James Gunn and just his, his filmmaking style. But I also think partly that maybe Feige and, and, and Disney and Marvel studios wanted to maybe differentiate this a little bit. You know, I think, Marvel at this point had probably gotten the reputation for taking itself a little too seriously. And so yeah. they were looking for some lighthearted comedy. I definitely do not believe that they thought this movie was going to be as crazy popular as it was. <laughs> yeah. But it's one of those that you look back and go, it's no wonder that people, that people caught onto it. Yeah. You've got some great characters with, I mean, rocket and Groot are both just very marketable characters. It's yep. a talking raccoon and a talking tree. Like, yeah. I mean, what, I mean, we won't talk about uh, too much about Baby Groot because that's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. But holy cow, I remember selling. Everyone wanted Baby Groot stuff when Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two came out. I forgot how much of a fun personality adult Groot had, though. Like, that's the that, yeah. That's the thing that I was thinking about as I was watching this uh, earlier today, which was, you know we're so used to seeing baby Groot and then teenage Groot throughout, you know, in game and infinity war that I forgot how much fun and how much of a great personality adult Groot really had um, to the point that I was laughing out loud at some of his stuff, you know, when he was drinking in that, wa- that water fountain on Xandar, I mean, just, yeah, little yeah. Things like that, it just cracked me up. He was, and then that moment when he makes all the, uh, the, the the room lights up when they're in the in, in the ship right just just different things like that i thought were really fun to the point that yes baby Groot was cool but teenage Groot just annoys the heck out of me <laughs> you know that's because so, he's a teenager all teenagers should annoy the heck out of you in some in some case i, I still work so, with in youth ministry so i love you, you all you <laughs> let's hope they're not let's hope they're listening but let's hope they're not listening to that but just ignore that guys <laughs> <laughs> We like to dissect kind of the Marvel movies. Um, we've kind of been doing this the last, you know, last really two weeks now. Um, favorite part? What was your, I mean, we kind of talked overall impressions here, but favorite part, what was your favorite part of the movie or favorite parts of the movie? I, I had to narrow it down to two because ultimately there's, there's so many, but um, the first one is the, is the prison break scene, especially when they're going through the plan and rockets going, you have to get this battery last because yep. it'll everything will go on lockdown, and then group pulls it off the wall. And she's like, "Or we can get that first and then improvise." And yep. um, and then the whole like, "Here's this guy's leg." It's like, "Oh, I don't need that. I just need these two things." Yeah. <laughs> and just, that that moment just laugh out loud for me. I got one plan, and that plan requires a freaking Quarnix battery. So figure it out. Can I get back to it? Thanks. Now this is important. Once the battery is removed. Everything is going to slam into emergency mode. Once we have it, we got to move quickly. So you definitely need to get that last. Or we could just get it first and improvise. 
I'll get the armband. Leg. And then the other one is when they're near the end, right before the climax, you know, third act, is when they're all sitting in the circle and and it ends with everyone standing up and rocket. All right, we're all standing. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and I just love that moment. I, and I love the banter with it where they're talking about, we just saved your life. And, and, I, I, and Drax, Drax chimes in a minute later with like, we just saved your life. And he's like, no, we, we, we debunked that. We said that you didn't. And he's like, wait, when did you say that? About a minute ago. I, I wasn't listening. And <laughs> everything about that scene, just I love it. Yeah, I I, I I love that point where he goes, all right, good, you got me standing. I mean, that was a – Bradley Cooper plays that part really well. I, I, in fact, you can barely tell it's Bradley Cooper. He does it so well. Same with Vin Diesel with Groot. He just – the personality he puts into it. See, for me, my favorite part is the scene towards the end with Yondu and, and the arrow and how he takes out the entire army, uh, the entire Kree army right there, just with his whistle yeah. trying to go. Through. I just, and, and that continues in the galaxy gardens of the galaxy too. He, he plays with that some more really in that, that brings up really what is my favorite character. I love Yondu. I think Yondu is such a well-developed character. I love how he steps in as Quill's father, um, kind of father figure. I, you know, knowing what I know about galaxy you know, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, which we're going to see tomorrow, um, you know, and how kind of how his arc develops. I really, he's my favorite character out of all this. Now, before I ask you, you what's your favorite character? One of the things that I did observe is, with the exception of Quill, I do feel like the personalities of all of the major players in this, uh, Rocket, Gamora, Nebula, and Drax, are, they feel different in this movie than they felt in Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I don't know if that was a like a directing decision, but if Gamora, especially, and, and Nebula, Nebula doesn't seem as downtrodden as depressed as as you know emo in this one as she comes across as an infinity war in game now again they're facing the end of the world so maybe that's it but something does feel it, it, she seems more you know dictatorial in this the way she was ordering the army around gamora doesn't seem as down in this one she seems much happier she seems I, do you do you know what i'm saying does it do you feel what i'm picking up on this yeah and i think some of that is infinity war and endgame have more weight to them and okay. so i i think i think maybe that's what you're sensing is that just is weighing down on all the characters i do agree that these characters do feel more different in gardens of the galaxy than they do in some of the later movies and i think some of that is just there's just a ton of characters and they have to jam pack it all in. Yeah. I, I, I have to say another, I have to put another favorite moment, which is this is the first time we really see and hear from Thanos, Josh Brolin's Thanos. He goes and, uncredited too, by the way, he's not credited in this at all. Yeah. And, and that scene just gives you the, Oh, this villain means business. 
and where it's like, I only ask that you take it seriously. And it's yeah. the only thing I take seriously, boy. And it's like, oh, you tell him. And yeah. uh, it, it, I just, I love that scene. I only ask that you take this matter seriously. The only matter I do not take seriously, boy, is you. Your politics bore me. Your demeanor is that of a pouty child. And apparently, you alienated my favorite daughter, Gamora. I shall honor our agreement, Kree, if you bring me the order. But return to me again empty-handed, and I will bathe the starways in your blood. Well, you know, something I had we had said a second ago too was that you know we didn't i don't think disney or marvel necessarily knew that this was going to be as big of a hit as it was and and for not knowing that they do put a whole lot of narrative exposition regarding the infinity stones in this for a movie that potentially wasn't going to be seen by a lot of people i I was i was struck by, you know, the collector talking about what the Infinity Stones were, by just how, because really this is, yes, we got introduced to the, to it with Thor to some degree, but this is the first time that we're hearing about all six of them and about the power behind them. And for them, you know, for Marvel to kind of, to do that with a movie that they weren't sure was going to be a a hit, it is kind of interesting to me that they took that risk. There were six singularities. Then the universe exploded into existence and the remnants of these systems were forged into concentrated ingots. Infinity stones. These stones, it seems, can only be brandished by beings of extraordinary strength. Observe. These carriers can use the stone to mow down entire civilizations like wheat in a field. I think in some cases, though, it's not a risk because you put such a pivotal plot point in your entire narrative that it would force people to have to go watch that movie to understand the greater narrative as a whole. Good point. Now, I, I, mean, I think I agree with you. The whole movie itself is, is is a risk where you take these characters that it's not like you're making a Spider-Man movie where everybody likes Spider-Man. You're taking all new characters and putting them in and who knows whether people are going to like it. And wow, they did. Yeah, they absolutely did. Um, so I back to what, who was your favorite character? Oh, goodness. Um, I, Drax, probably. I, Drax cracks me up. Um, the whole... Nothing goes over my head. My reflexes are too quick. That line is fantastic. I, 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 I really, his character consistently makes me laugh. Follow close second by Rocket, but really, it, that's like asking, "What's my favorite candy?" It's like eh, they're all fine. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I Fair enough. Were there any moments in the movie that you did not like? The whole they're drinking at the bar and getting upset with each other. Like before the collector, their meeting with the collector seems really weird. That scene always felt out of place to me. Mm-hmm. And even in certain cases, okay, you're on this planet of scoundrels 
and people looking to make back alley deals and you're screaming about how many credits you're about to make. And like, you don't think that someone's going to be like, wait a minute, how many credits did they say? All right, I'm going to wait outside the door for these people and I'm going to take their credits afterwards. It just, yeah. it, it that's that scene just feels out of place. What about you? You know, for me, I, I had a little bit of trouble believing that the Nova Corps, the almighty powerful army on Xandar was so ill-prepared for what came their way. I, I just, for being as massive as an army, they were so ill-prepared for this attack. It, it just, they already knew Ronin was trouble. They already knew no, Ronin was not accepting the terms of the peace accord. They tried to communicate with the Kree. The Kree basically said, we don't care. And so it just, for some, for there's this mighty army that fell very quickly, if that makes sense, that had these guardians of the galaxy not done what they did, Xandar would have been gone. Like it just, it it just, that, that to me is one of those things where it just, it defies logic for me. It'd be like the, the United States army being, you know, we're the most powerful army in the friggin' world, not being prepared for an attack that wipes out our entire civilization like it just doesn't it it defies logic to me is it possible i guess yes i mean it is 2020 after all it defies logic and so i think for me that was probably the one that was a little annoying to me i i felt that that was probably the the part that was the worst part of it but overall i think it's a solid movie matt I, i really do um and it did exactly what I think Marvel wanted, which was just to light, lighten up the universe a little bit. It know? also created an IP that they could put in the parks. Yep. Because that with Marvel ex- uh, attraction experiences and park experiences being tied up in a bunch of legal jargon, which we don't have time to get into, but this wasn't because these characters were so obscure, this wasn't in any of those agreements. And I mean, you saw how quickly that gardens of the galaxy mission breakout uh, went up and, and not just went up, replaced a beloved attraction in tower of terror. And I have found in talking with Disney fans, a lot of people who were diehard tower of terror fans are like, you know, this ride is actually really fun and really good. You know, we haven't done this for the last couple of um, movies, but I think this is probably one of the ones that's probably worth doing. I think on a scale of one to 10, where do we want to put this at? Honestly, a nine or a 10 for me. I mean, this, I would almost rank as possibly my number one movie in the MCU. We just did winter soldier and that's up there. And there's a couple more coming, but the, the thing, the reason I would do that is because, so I, when this movie came out, I, I showed this movie to my in-laws and we watched it like over Christmas one time. And my in-laws are not Marvel people, but they loved this movie. And so what I love about this movie is that you can enjoy it even if you're not into Marvel movies or, or even into the narrative as a whole. You can just enjoy it for what it is. What about you? Um, I'd say it's probably a 7 or 8. I wouldn't put it as a 9 or a 10, but definitely a 7 or 8. I think it it definitely fits into that, um, that, that narrative that, um, you know, it, it does a great job feeding into the MCU narrative. Ultimately, the thing that 
totally was the highlight of the movie like best part ever uh because i have a connection to this character was the end credit scene which has absolutely nothing to do with the mcu at all other than the fact that howard the duck is in Wait. the movie whoa, whoa, whoa time out what what connection do you have to howard the duck <laughs> okay it all right so Y'all know the original movie, Howard the Duck, that came out in the 1980s. That was critically panned. Everybody hated it. Um, it just absolutely it's was hate. Lucasfil- Yeah, Lucasfilm, George Lucas, whatever. When I was in eighth grade, I was picked on a lot. I was bullied. And I have a distinct memory uh, of running the track in the eighth grade. And there were two, two guys, two, two people in my class, who just loved to bully me. And for some reason, my haircut in eighth grade it was really bushy and curly whatever for some reason they got it in their head that i looked like howard the duck (laughs) and so for the rest of eighth grade i was known as howard and no one knew why other than these two guys who called me howard because i looked like howard the duck everyone else started just calling me howard and no one knew why they were calling me Howard except for these two guys, but I was Howard because apparently I looked like Howard the Duck. And I wore it with the badge of prize. I, I pride I took it with, you know, what it was, but that was my eighth grade year. I was Howard the Duck. <laughs> so wow. that is the connection I have I, to Howard the Duck, yes. I'm so sorry, but also I'm so glad that you can laugh about it now. <laughs> yeah, you, you have to at this point. I don't hold any ill will towards them. If anything, it's a fun story to I don't know if I've told too many people that story before, but yeah, so that that's why <laughs> Now, do you know who voices Howard the Duck? I do not. At the end of this movie, do you know who voices him? No clue? No. Seth Green. For those of you who don't know who (laughs) Seth Green is, he is the voice of Chris Griffin in Family Guy. He's also played a number of other characters. He was in The Italian Job and you name it. He's been in a number of movies, but yeah. Austin Seth Powers, Green, Powers movies. Yes. The Austin Powers movies. You're right. I forgot about those. Yeah. So he is the voice of Howard the duck at the end. So. Ooh, or breaking bad or Mr. Robot chicken. No, Chris, it's Mr. Robot chicken. Mr. Robot chicken. No, no, Chris, you see, Mr. Robot is a critically acclaimed show. Robot chicken is something kids used to watch in 2006. It's basically four minutes of nonsense on at one in the morning breaking up personal injury ads. Chicken. Yeah, th- I mean, really, this is just a win of a movie. I-, I love this movie. This, this, in terms of rewatchability, I think this movie is insanely rewatchable. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching the two of them back to back too. Like that, that yeah, is going to be really fun to watch them because you know these came out several years apart, and so you know in between you got lost in some of the other minutia of the MCU. Where with these, boom, boom, they're right next to each other. It's going to be really fun to watch them, and it's also fun jumping into a Marvel movie without a whole lot of baggage from the other. You know, it's just yeah, I agree. Paper, you know, it, it, very similar to kind of what we experienced with with Winter Soldier. It was just kind of a it was a thrill spy movie. This was kind of a caper movie, and it was a lot of fun. So, all right, how do they get a hold of us, Matt? You can email us beersandears1928 at gmail.com. Facebook group Beers and Ears Podcast. Uh, joining up, we're putting out content pretty much you know every day, talking with people. Um, you know, we, we're making this event what it is. Uh, and Twitter and Instagram, Beers Ears 1928. Remember, as always, uh, five stars, five stars, and invite your fellow MCU fans, uh, friends, and family to get in on this. It's not too late. You can binge it and catch out right on up before Black Widow comes out. 
Absolutely. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful rest of your day. We will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. See you tomorrow, everybody.